Welcome to the Emancipate Your Mind podcast. I'm your host, Certified Religious Transition and Trauma Recovery Coach, Terry Hales. I help people step out of the shadows of religious fear and shame and embrace their authentic selves with love and empathy. If you're ready to throw off the shackles of learned binary thinking and explore a more nuanced approach to life, this is your playground. Hello and welcome to another episode of Emancipate Your Mind podcast. I'm so glad you're here today. Today we're talking about another important topic. And if last week's topic on perfectionism really hit home, like I'm hearing from a bunch of you that it did, this week's topic goes hand in hand with it. This week's topic is on people pleasing. And I know this is such a huge topic for so many of my clients. It was definitely something I am working on, something I have worked on, something I've made a lot of improvement in my life with, and it has helped me heal from religious trauma in so many ways. But before we get started, I have a quick ask of you, my listeners, my friends. As you know, going through religious transition is so difficult. And it can feel so lonely. And there are so many people going through religious transition or working through religious trauma. And there really aren't that many resources for people who are not only feeling okay to leave their religion, but to then build a life after they've left. And I really have a deep soul desire to help as many people as I can get the help and support that they need during this difficult time and to have the hope and the tools that they can heal, that they can have a beautiful, meaningful, joyful life after a religious transition. So if you would take a quick moment before you listen to the rest of this podcast and take a screenshot of your favorite episode. And if you wouldn't mind sharing it on your favorite social media platform, whatever that is, or in a private message with other people that you believe would benefit from this information. The more we share, the more we're able to get resources into the hands of people who need it. And you and I both know how wonderful these resources have been for me, for you, in order to heal. So if you could just take a quick minute and do that for me, get the word out, help put those tools in the hands of people who need them, I would appreciate it so much. Okay, now on to the podcast. People-pleasing. So what is people-pleasing? People-pleasing is trying to keep other people happy at the expense of our own needs and happiness. Now, there are tons and tons and tons of examples of this. I was just kind of filing through stories I've had with clients, stories from my own life, stories I've observed in other people's lives, and I just chose a couple of examples, but there are literally limitless examples. If at any time you sacrifice your own happiness or joy in order to make someone else happy, particularly if this is a pattern, right? Because anytime we love someone, we're going to take what creates their happiness into consideration. But if we're constantly making choices to keep our spouse happy or our parents happy or our siblings or our friends or even our kids happy at the expense of our own happiness over and over and over again, We are people-pleasing, and it's actually detrimental to our own sense of self-worth, our own sense of self-esteem, our own sense of joy and meaning in life. And so this is such an important topic. Some examples that came up for me were in the LDS church, serving a mission, especially for young men, is like the pinnacle of 
you did it right as a parent. If your son goes on a mission, it is the pinnacle of parenthood. And so I know so many young men and young women who served missions in order to appease their parents and to help them save face in the congregation or to help them feel like they were good parents, even if it was the last thing they actually wanted to do. So they took two years, a year and a half to two years of their lives paid $400 to $500 a month out of their pocket in order to go on this mission in order for their parents to feel good about themselves and in order to keep the peace in the family instead of doing whatever it was that they wanted to do. That is a huge sacrifice to sacrifice a year and a half to two years of your life simply so that your parents feel happy. Not because you want to do it. It's a completely different thing if you went on a mission because you wanted to do it and you were excited about it. Then there's no problem. But if you're doing it, if you're spending that much time from your life and that much money from your own pocket to make somebody else happy without it bringing you joy, then it's detrimental to your health. Another one that comes up often in my work with people is continuing to go to church or going home for Christmas, particularly, simply to keep the peace, even though you know it'll be emotionally toxic for you. So when you're putting other people's comfort and happiness first and you're continuing to go to a toxic environment simply so people will get off of your back, Chances are you're people-pleasing to the detriment of your own emotional health. Another one that comes up often in my work, particularly with women, is agreeing to have sex with our spouse even when we feel sick or exhausted or we don't want to have sex. A lot of us received messages that we were supposed to be available all the time, even if we didn't feel like it. Even if we didn't want to, even if we physically didn't feel capable that we were supposed to be sexually available to our spouse, and a lot of times those of us who are socialized as women receive this message that our bodies were for the enjoyment of men and to keep them happy even if we didn't want to, even if it didn't feel like a good fit for us in the moment, that our bodies didn't actually belong to us, but they belong to our spouse. This can be a a hard one. This can be evidence of people-pleasing as well when we agree or acquiesce to have sex, even when we really are just not wanting to. And of course, I have a host of stories from my life growing up in the church of times that I provided service that was asked of me that I didn't really want to. I think in an earlier episode, I talked about being asked to make 12 dozen cookies for a scouting function the night before a scouting function. I was doing the single mom gig while my husband was deployed. I was homeschooling. I owned my own business. And I did several volunteer callings in the church. And I said yes to this opportunity simply to make the person like me because it was the quote-unquote nice thing to do. And then I spent my evening giving up sleep, giving up peace of mind in order to make 12 dozen cookies with an infant and a young child clinging to my legs as I tried to make these 12 dozen cookies for an organization my kids weren't even a part of. I didn't even have children in Scouts. And yet, here I was making 12 dozen cookies to aid the Scouting program in my congregation. I still look back on this experience in particular as the moment when I realized my people-pleasing needed to change. (laughs) It was going to kill me if I didn't get it under control. I just remember sobbing as I was making tray after tray of chocolate chip cookies. 
I remember standing in front of the stove and thinking, this is utter insanity. What am I even doing? Why did I say yes to this? And I was angry at myself. I was angry at the person that had asked me. I was angry that no one had stopped that person from asking me. I felt alone. I felt taken advantage of. I was resentful. I did not enjoy a single second of making those cookies. Clear evidence that I was people-pleasing, not serving from a place that was beneficial to me as well. So often, I think we think to ourselves, but I people-please because it's good to serve. And I am this way because service is a good thing. And if I wasn't this way, then I would be selfish and I wouldn't serve. And that simply has not been my experience, nor the experience of any of my clients. When I've learned to take care of me first and to listen to what I actually want to do, I show up to serve people in ways that not only bless their lives, but feel delicious to me as well. I will not watch your kids. That will not happen. It would have to be a life or death situation for me to watch your children. Simply not something that brings me joy. I'm so glad I like my own children, but I am not a children person. Ask me to cook for you. And if I have the time and if it is something I can do in my schedule that will not completely stress me out, that allows me a chance to play in the kitchen, I would absolutely cook for you. Ask me to come and teach you to garden, to go on a hike with you, to create art with you, to help you emotionally, to listen to you, to empathize with you. If that feels like something I can emotionally and physically handle, and if it feels like a good fit, I will show up completely open-hearted, joyful and honored that you've allowed me to be that person in your life. And that is a completely different energy that we serve with than when we feel like we can't say no, that we have to say yes to everything because that's what a nice person, a polite person would do. That's what a good girl or a good boy would do. One of them expands us, energizes us, helps us feel joyful about our existence and the way we connect with other humans. And the other makes us feel resentful and frustrated and angry, exhausted and overwhelmed. Which person would you prefer to be served by? The one that has boundaries that says no to things that don't light them up or that they can't reasonably fit into their schedule or that don't honor them as a person as well? Or the one that says yes to everything but hates your guts the whole while that they're helping you or hates the situation or is angry that they said yes or feels exhausted? Which person would you rather show up at your doorstep to help you? For me, I love having friends that I know that they'll tell me where their boundaries are. If I ask for something, it frees me to ask them when I need help, knowing that if they don't want to do it, can't fit it in their schedule, are too overwhelmed or whatever, that they'll set a boundary and say, you know, I love that you came and asked me for this, but I simply cannot do it. Thank you so much for asking me. Thank you for taking up space, for asking for what you need, but I cannot be this person. I love knowing my friends will set boundaries with me because it frees me up to ask because I never have to worry I'm burdening my friends. They will say yes if they can. They will say no if they can't. And so I know that when they show up for me, it's because they want to. It's because it's also a win for them. And it feels better for both the person who's giving and for the person who's receiving. So let's get rid of that myth that if we aren't killing ourselves to give, if we aren't 
always serving at the expense of ourselves that somehow we're depriving the world of something. It's simply not true. When we serve from a place of desire, from a place that feels good to us too, then we light up the world. Then we bless the lives of those around us. Then we feel filled and expansive and excited about life and our service and our connection to other people. We are multiplied in our abilities, but we are depleted when we can't say no, when we have no boundaries, when we don't know what our limits are, when we don't care for our own needs. So let's get rid of that myth. Okay, people-pleasing behavior. Where does it come from? People-pleasing behavior is often, as it is in my case, accompanied by codependent or perfectionism in ourselves, or it could be the traits of the adults that raised us as children. At the root of people-pleasing is the fear of rejection or abandonment. Like, take a minute and sit with that one. At the root of people-pleasing, we're afraid that we will be rejected by other people. We're afraid we're going to be kicked out of the group. We're afraid that people won't like us, that we won't receive the love and connection that we are wired to receive, that we are wired to need to survive. So at the root of all of this is this deep fear of rejection and abandonment. And we developed our people-pleasing habit as a coping mechanism for something that happened in our younger life. If you have a habit of people-pleasing, I want you to just know right now before we delve into any more of this that you're not broken. The fact that you have coping strategies means that your mind is working perfectly, exactly the way it should. You developed ways to keep yourself safe, both emotionally and physically. And in some instances, this kept you fed and sheltered and clothed until you could reach adulthood and do these things. Take care of yourself emotionally and physically on your own. You've reached adulthood now, and while these mechanisms work quite well for survival as a child, you're no longer in danger now. I'm no longer in danger now. We're adults. And the discomfort we feel about our people-pleasing strategies simply means we've outgrown them. We're not broken. We simply have habits to break. We've simply developed patterns that helped us survive that we've outgrown because we're no longer in survival mode. We can care for our emotional needs. We can make sure our physical needs are met. The adult versions of us are very adept at that. But our inner child is still in danger mode. And so we're still in these patterns to keep ourselves safe and to help us survive. We just have to unlearn the patterns because we don't need them anymore. We're safe now. We're able to care for ourselves now. We're adults now. We're not four-year-old kids. We're not eight-year-old kids. It makes so much sense that that four-year-old or eight-year-old or 12-year-old inside of us did everything they could to make people, adults especially, in their lives happy so that they would receive the love and the nurture and sometimes the shelter and food and clothing that they needed to survive. Isn't it amazing that your little kid self came up with these complicated processes, these complicated mechanics to keep us safe? Isn't it incredible that we did this? Take a moment and honor that younger version of yourself for what they did to bring you here to this place. This moment, you're here because of them. And because of the coping strategies that they created for you. So why did we develop these strategies? There are literally 
thousands of answers to this question. But I really want to focus on just a couple of main reasons that have come up in the research and have come up in my calls with clients and in my own life. So maybe you had a parent that was hot and cold, some days really connected and nurturing, and some days maybe more unstable. When you have parents or adults in your lives like that, or ones who are emotionally fragile, ones that you couldn't bring up any difficult things with without them falling to pieces because their self-worth felt so fragile. Or perhaps you had adults in your life that were deeply wounded themselves, or maybe they had wounded inner children of their own. You may have seen these parents turn to addictive behaviors to deal with the wound inside themselves, or maybe they were deeply depressed, or they may have had panic attacks. Our parents went through their own trauma. And unfortunately, when our parents were being raised, when they became adults, the tools that we have at our disposal now, the things we understand about shame and shame resilience, the things we understand about inner child healing, the things we understand about trauma, our parents didn't have those things available to them when they were raising us. This is all brand new. Brand new. I was just hearing about this when I was in college back in 2000. This work is only 20 years old. Our parents, they didn't have access to these tools because they're just now becoming widely available. A podcast like this would not have been possible 10 years ago. And even still today, talking about religious trauma is considered hogwash by so many people. We're right on the edge of learning new things. And the adults we grew up with were gifted trauma by the adults they grew up with and no way to heal it. So we inherited coping mechanisms to help deal with their trauma, to help deal with their emotional fragility from what happened to them in their childhood. And... We may have gotten the message as children that in order to get our needs met, we needed to care for or fill the wound our adults were carrying. We may have learned that in order to stay safe emotionally or even physically, we needed to keep the adults in our lives happy. Many of us were also socialized in our churches, our schools, our media and entertainment that our job is to blend in and to make others around us comfortable. Why? Because our society is built with a bunch of other adults who also had their own trauma. We're slowly starting to undo this in society. But so many of the adults that we were raised with, our teachers, our principals, the actors that portrayed our favorite TV shows, the writers that created those shows, the musicians that created the songs we listened to in our high school cars— All of them carried their own trauma, and we got messages that we are less than if we're not assimilated. If we don't toe the company line, if we're not the same as everyone else, if we stand out, if we're other, if we're our own real, authentic, or weird selves, as nurse practitioner and life coach Victoria Albina says, can you think of times when you've been told to shut up and just blend in? Maybe not in those words, but you got the message that standing out was not okay. Maybe you wore clothing that was different than everyone else or your hair was styled differently as a child. Maybe you grew up on the wrong side of the tracks or maybe it was vice versa. Maybe you were the kid from the wealthy side of town in a group of friends that were poorer. Maybe you had hobbies or interests that were considered weird or uncool. Maybe you had crushes on kids that weren't considered suitable. Maybe you had opinions about religion, politics, or society that clashed with your family, church, or community's opinions. There are thousands of movies and songs based on this premise alone. Being bullied because you're the oddball. The pressure can be so great to assimilate into the tribe to make everyone else in the community feel comfortable. 
So if you find that you've developed a pattern of people pleasing over the years, like it makes so much sense, right? You may have felt threatened for being too much or too little of something and you adapted as a way to protect yourself and get your needs met so you could safely reach maturity. And if you think about it, like I said earlier, younger you was quite the intelligent, creative, problem-solving genius to help you come up with such complex strategies for emotional protection at such a young age. Really take a moment and recognize how incredible younger you was. Okay, so we know that our inner child created these strategies to help us get to maturity all in one piece, and here we are. But these strategies aren't serving us anymore. Just like our favorite splatter-painted pair of jeans from third grade may have been the most amazing thing ever when we were in Mrs. Weibel's class. If I tried to put those bad boys on my 41-year-old hips after having two kids, that would not work out very well. I have definitely outgrown those stonewashed splatter-painted jeans. As much as I loved them then, as great as they were for me then, as wonderful as they were for my popularity, they have long since gone. And if I were still trying to wear them, I would be highly uncomfortable. I would be out of fashion. I would not be serving myself. And I mean, it would just not be good, right? That is what's going on with these people-pleasing behaviors. It doesn't make them wrong or bad any more than it makes my splatter patent jeans wrong or bad. They simply are things that do not fit us anymore. That's it. So how do we know if they're not serving us anymore? Well, with people pleasing, it's pretty easy to tell when it's not serving us anymore. And my guess is you're already aware of these things or we wouldn't be connecting on this podcast. You would have already flipped the channel. So my guess is something about this is resonating with you. Let's see if any of this feels familiar. My guess is that you're likely completely overwhelmed and exhausted because you have such a hard time saying no. You've got so much on your plate and sometimes you lose sleep to get it all done. And even when you're not losing sleep, you're constantly thinking about it. There's always something on your mind. Because you just simply have too much to do. Next, you don't have any free time. And let's be honest, like come a little closer here. Let me whisper in your ear. You kind of feel resentful of people who do. Am I right? Especially when those people, the ones who have free time, are laying on the couch in your living room. Am I right? When you're a people pleaser and you are people pleasing not only your parents and your friends and the people at church, but also your husband and your kids, and they're over there watching cartoons or like flipping on their phone and you're killing yourself to get like Thanksgiving dinner ready and no one's helping you, what's that feeling going on inside? Or Sunday dinner? Or whatever it is, you're cleaning for the holidays and decorating and no one's paying attention, like no one's trying to help you. They're all giving themselves permission to have free time. And you, you're like, free time? What is that? And why do you guys get to have any? I know you guys are chuckling because I know that you have experienced this before. Where you're killing yourself You feel like, you know, it would be so nice to be able to relax and I don't have free time. And you look over and like the whole rest of your family is just chilling and you lose your ever loving mind on them. I know I'm not the only person who's ever done this. (laughs) I know I'm not the only person who's ever done this. And they all look at you like, what? It's Saturday or what? It's the holiday. It's free time. And you're like, free time? What is that? Yeah probably a good clue that you got people-pleasing behavior going on. And there's probably part of you that's like, what are you talking about? Someone has to make Thanksgiving. Someone has to make dinner. Someone has to decorate. No, doll, they don't. You could order pizza for Thanksgiving. That is an absolute option. No one has to do anything. 
Do you want to do it? Is it something you want? Or do you feel like you have to? At the expense of your own sanity, happiness, needs, joy, desires. That's the big difference. Okay, you feel like people take advantage of you. You're always giving and it feels like no one gives back in return. In your friendships, you're the one that calls everyone. You're the person that remembers birthdays. You're the person that makes meals for people when they're sick. You're the person that watches people's kids because you remember when their doctor's appointments are happening. You're the person that weeds people's gardens whenever, you know, they're out of town. You're the person that shows up over and over and over and over again. Sometimes you do things for people that you know they could do for themselves, but you do it anyway. But then you don't feel like people really show up for you like that. And there's part of you that's like, do they even love me or care about me? Where's my care? Where's the person weeding my garden? Where's the person making me soup when I have the flu? I'm over here making ramen noodles for myself. And we all know that that's not helping at all with the cold. Where's my homemade off-the-bone chicken soup? Where's the childcare when I have to go to the doctor's appointment? Do you hear what I'm saying? We do all these things for people and we expect love and care and we expect people to almost read our minds and know what we need. We expect them to care for us the way we care for them. But here's the thing. People pleasers, we have both a gift and a curse. The gift is we're really good at reading people and intuiting their needs. And we're really good at showing up and fulfilling those needs. I use this gift all the time in coaching because I want to. But I used to do it with everyone. I would try to intuit what my children needed and what my husband needed and what my mother needed, my sister needed, what the neighbor down the street that I barely knew needed. I was always having my radar up reading what people needed, listening on social media, and trying to show up in those ways. But a lot of other people don't have that radar, and they don't show up in the ways that we hope they'll show up for us. Or, here's the funny thing, they are people pleasers, but they're showing up in the way they would want someone to show up for them, and we don't read that as them showing up for us. Because here's the crazy thing, is when we intuit what other people need, so often we get it wrong. We show up exactly the way we would want someone to show up for us. And we think they should be so grateful. And when they fail to show the right amount of gratitude, we're appalled. Because after all, we did all this service, not simply because it lights us up and it brings us joy and because it would be helpful, but because really underneath, we want validation and recognition to fill our self-worth cup. And when people don't give us enough validation or recognition, we feel cheated. Hello, I just made you this amazing soup. I went out of my way. I had to like give up things I wanted to do. I sacrificed my free day to roast a chicken from scratch, peel the chicken off the bone, boil the bones so you would get that bone marrow in your in your broth and create noodles from scratch for you. Yes, I've done this before. I know you guys think I'm crazy. My past self really there were times I thought I was crazy, but Real life sometimes is stranger than fiction. I would do this for people. And then (laughs) when no one recognized I was sick, because to me bringing me soup when I was sick was a sign of love and care, or if they came by with Lipton packets, I was like, what in the world? Like, where is my home-cooked meal from the heart? You guys know what I'm talking about. We intuit what we think other people would need based on what we would want in the situation. And we give that to other people. And either we feel like people aren't showing up for us at all, 
or we're not recognizing when they show up for us as actual help because they're showing up for us in the ways that would feel good to them. And this is so funny because (laughs) after I began healing, I realized I had friends that had been showing up for me for years and I just didn't recognize that they were showing up for me because they were showing up for me in the ways they would want someone to show up for them. So they might give me complete peace and quiet for three days because what they want when they're sick is for no one to bother them. But to me, it felt like I was being left alone. I was being deserted and isolated. But to them, that's what would feel amazing when they're healing to not have to talk to anyone, to not have to answer the phone. So they were serving me, but I interpreted it differently. And I'm sure they didn't necessarily like it when I came knocking and barging in on their door with my homemade soup. Okay, who here has done this one? You apologize for everything. Sometimes, literally, for just existing and taking up space. Okay, it's story time. We're going to do this. I kid you not. About four and a half years ago, five years ago, I was standing in the local grocery store and I was reaching for pasta and this guy hip checked me. (laughs) I'm not even kidding. Like total hockey move, hip checked me, grabbed his pasta and put it in his cart. And I apologized. I apologized for taking up space and being in his way and not intuiting that he was going to reach for the same pasta I was. I apologized for his rude behavior of hip checking me until I like stumbled out of the way so he could grab his pasta. I remember as he walked off thinking, what just happened here? Why did the words I'm sorry come out of my mouth? for rude behavior that was not mine, for taking up space, for deigning to be in the pasta aisle, wanting to grab pasta that was somewhere close to someone else's pasta selection. It blew my mind. And this is when I really started looking at some of the people-pleasing strategies, and I noticed myself saying, I'm sorry, instead of excuse me. I noticed myself apologizing for apologizing. Have you guys ever done that? It used to drive my husband crazy. He would say, stop saying I'm sorry. And I'd be like, oh, I'm sorry. And he was like, you just did it again. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. No, really, I'm sorry. I had to train myself to say excuse me because I still want to be polite. That's who I am. I like being polite. I like being courteous and I like being conscientious of other people in their space. But I am not sorry for taking up space. I'm not sorry for existing. And I am not sorry for being in the pasta aisle and grabbing pasta at the same moment that you are. Okay, next clue, you might be a people pleaser and that you've outgrown these things and that they're not serving you anymore is sometimes you feel like people only like you because of what you do for them, not because of who you are. You've learned to make yourself so indispensable in people's lives, and they rely on you so much. And you do all of these things for them. You make them the homemade soup. You remember their birthday. You babysit their kids. You weed their garden. You do all these things, and you sacrifice so much of yourself. And you wonder if the only reason people keep you around is because of the ways you make their life easier and the ways you build them up and all the things you do. And there's a secret part of you that worries if you stop doing those things, if you lose all the people in your life, because there's a very real part of you that worries that no one really likes you for who you are. And there's part of you that worries about that because... You don't really like you for who you are. You're not really even sure who you are underneath it all. Who is this person that is me? Because we get our validation from pleasing others, sometimes we lose our identity and what other people want. So it's really easy 
to feel like other people don't like us for us because we're not even sure who us is. <sighs> Another. And guys, let's just take a moment for a second because that one was really heavy. If these are pricking, if they're getting really close to your heart, just take a minute and breathe. Pause if you need to. Hold your heart. Hold your inner child. These can bring up a lot of grief. It can bring up a lot of sadness and longing. It can bring up a lot of loss. It can bring up fear. It can bring up shame or guilt. Feel free to hold yourself through this. This is a lot. This is big stuff. This is traumatic. And I want to let you know that it's okay that you're triggered. It's okay that you're uncomfortable. This uncomfortable feeling that you're feeling is actually just a chance for you to get curious with yourself and to understand yourself better. And I know if this is some of your first time that you're really feeling these things and having these realizations, you may want to run far, far away. And I get that. But discomfort is something to embrace. As you feel difficult emotions, you're in control the whole time. You aren't the emotion. Remember that. You can do a slow and steady exploration of this discomfort. You don't have to unpack it all at once. If you ever need to pause one of these podcasts, think about it. If it gets too painful, you don't need my permission. Give yourself permission to turn it off, to let it simmer, and to come back to it when you feel like you've processed what triggered you. It's okay. You get to be in control. And I want you to know that you are strong enough not only to survive any feeling that may come up for you, but you're actually strong enough to get comfortable in all of your feelings, even the uncomfortable ones. You have the ability within you to get comfortable with discomfort because that's where all the growth happens. And the more you're able to sit with those feelings, the more comfortable it gets. And the more you become friends with uncomfortable feelings. So if you're feeling discomfort, know that this is good. It means that we're growing. And also know that you can give yourself permission to take care of yourself as much as you need to, okay? You do not have to push through this. If you're a people pleaser, there may even be a tendency where you want to please me by doing it all. Don't worry about it. You're not here to please me. You're here to please you and figure out what feels good to you. And you do that by building a relationship with your authentic self. So listen to them. What does that person inside of you need? And give it some of that. Give it some of that kindness and compassion and care that you would give to other people in distress. All right. There's a couple more of these things and it's important to go through them. So we're going to keep moving forward. You may recognize that people pleasing isn't serving you anymore because conflict is one of the most scary things ever. Remember, we were just talking about uncomfortable feelings. So you would rather continue to be unhappy with the situation instead of bringing up the conflict to resolve it. And this just leads to loads of resentment, right? That baggage that comes up and we think about it when we're washing dishes or in the shower or we're driving, we ruminate on those things. It's all that conflict that we don't want to bring up because it's uncomfortable. And if we bring up conflict, then people might get angry with us or they might be displeased with us. And that, remember, goes against everything we're trying to do as a people pleaser because we're trying to keep people happy. Because if they're happy, then it's safe. But it's okay for people to be angry with you. It's okay for people to be sad, disappointed, upset. They can survive that feeling. And so can you. Because remember, you can get comfortable with discomfort. And people are allowed to have their feelings. And you're allowed to have yours. I feel like this is a really good place to bring up the fact that so often as people pleasers, we feel responsible for other people's feelings. We feel like it's our job to make sure 
that people don't feel unpleasant things. But here is the crazy truth. Scientifically proven truth. I can only control my thoughts. And my thoughts create my emotions. And my thoughts and my emotions together create my behavior. No matter what I do, I can't control anyone else's thoughts or emotions. I can't make someone feel a certain way. I can't make someone think a certain thing. I can only be responsible for myself. And that really helped me with the people-pleasing aspect of things because I realized what I was really trying to do was control others. I was trying to create the perfect conditions where people would only feel happy and only feel loving towards me. And it was really confusing and disappointing and angering and I would feel resentful and hurt when other people still didn't like me or when they took advantage of me or when they were sad or unhappy because look at all I had sacrificed. I did everything I could to manipulate your emotions and you're still not acting the way I want you to. I realized my people-pleasing behavior was often manipulative and controlling because I was trying to take on other people's emotions. I thought it was my job to make them feel a certain way. Once I realized it wasn't my job to do that and that Even if it was my job, I would never succeed because I can't make anyone think or feel a certain way. It's out of my power. It freed me to just take control of what I could control, which was my thoughts. And when I was able to have compassion for and mindfulness with my own thoughts and my own emotions, I could care for those. And I had full control over how I cared for those. And it allowed me to free other people to feel whatever they needed to feel with me. Because I knew that I would take care of my own thoughts and emotions. I didn't need someone else to do that. And I trust that they can take care of theirs as well. All right. So what do we do about all of this? We know what people-pleasing is. We know many of the ways that it's not serving us anymore, and there are many more that I did not list. So what do we do? How do we begin to heal? How do we begin to change these patterns? Because remember, people-pleasing isn't who we are. It's simply a habit that we formed in order to keep ourselves safe in our childhood. So what do we do? There are three main things, the three A's. And this comes from Victoria Albina. She is a nurse practitioner and she's a life coach. She has some brilliant ideas about people-pleasing and perfectionism. I've loved reading her work. Her three A's are awareness, acceptance, and action. So we've already talked on this podcast so much about awareness and acceptance. So awareness is just noticing when you're feeling resentment, anger, frustration, stress, overwhelm, jealousy. Remember how we talked in episode two about all those feelings? You're going to hear that woven throughout this entire podcast, so don't get tired of hearing it yet because you're going to be hearing it a lot more. Our emotions are key to understanding ourselves and changing our patterns. So just notice what comes up. When are you feeling angry, resentful, or frustrated? And get curious with yourself about it. What is that feeling telling you? Remember, there are no good feelings. There are no bad feelings. They are simply messengers from our inner knowing to our conscious self. So when we can use those emotional messengers to help us make a subconscious problem or pattern conscious, and we can become consciously aware of what's going on, then we have a real shot at resolving the problem. As long as it remains in our subconscious, we're not aware of it, and we can't solve a problem we're not aware of. The next one is acceptance. (laughs) We have to quit denying that we have a problem, and we actually have to accept, okay, this is my pattern, this is something that I do, and it's problematic for me. Because when we can accept that it's actually something that's going on, 
and that we do actually do this behavior or this pattern, then we can start looking for it and we can catch it. Now, when we very first start practicing looking for it, we might not catch it until we're already in resentment and overwhelm after we've done the pattern. After we've accepted the invitation to make 12 dozen cookies in less than eight hours, or we may catch it after we have just promised we're going home for Christmas, after we had already said we were staying home this year and giving ourselves a chance to just be with family and not have to deal with the drama. When we begin to look for it, often we catch it at the tail end. But as we practice looking for our patterns, sometimes we catch them in the middle. And then with more practice, we can catch them before we even begin the cycle. Remember, though, you've spent your entire life really making these patterns habits. They're ingrained. Those neural pathways are very well-traveled. So when you start using your neuroplasticity to create new pathways between your neurons, new ways of doing things, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some time to make that the well-traveled road. It's going to take some time to build that muscle memory and to really get those new reflexes. But before long, you'll notice yourself catching yourself earlier and earlier and earlier. And that really leads us into action. One of my favorite actions is the power of the pause. This is so important for people pleasers. When anyone asks me to do anything, even if I think it is a hell yes inside of me, I ask for time to think about it. Now, already I know that's going to be hard because asking for anything for yourself feels selfish, but give yourself permission to check in with yourself first because you're not used to doing that. You're not used to giving yourself time to dip into your body and ask yourself, is this something I want to do? Is this something I have time for? Is this something that feels good in my body? Or are there other things I want to spend my time on? Would this stress me out or overwhelm me? What parts of this do I want to say yes to and which parts do I want to say no to? Are there boundaries I need to draw before making a decision? All of this takes time. And so even now, as a recovering people pleaser, as a person who actually doesn't find myself in people pleasing very often anymore, I still do occasionally. I still ask for time because this has been such a powerful tool to help me make sure that what I'm putting on my plate feels nourishing to me too. So when someone asks you to do anything, even if it's going to lunch or getting on a call or making 12 dozen cookies for the scouting affair, I want you to find a phrase that you can use that you feel good about that will give you time. I actually keep a paper calendar here at home because I don't like to lie. (laughs) So I keep it here at home. And when I'm out and about and people say, oh my gosh, can you do this? I always say, oh, tell you what, let me go home and check my calendar and I will get back to you by tomorrow with whether I can do that or not. And that gives me time to A, actually come and check my calendar, but also to check in with myself. Is this something I want to do or not? Really, really powerful. Whenever people are online, it's already easy enough because I can wait until I know inside of myself whether it's a good fit or not a good fit. And I have permission to say no to anything that's not a good fit. And you don't have to be a jerk about it. I think so often as people pleasers, we think the word no Or the idea of no is so rude, but it's not. We don't have to say no and then just walk away. You can actually say, thank you so much for this opportunity. But right now, I am really focusing my time on other things. I really appreciate you thinking about me, but I don't think it's a good fit right now. Not bad, right? Or if someone's wanting to get together for dinner, you can be honest. You can say, look, I adore you and I love spending time with you 
And right now, getting together for dinner would be really hectic and stressful in my schedule. Can we maybe wait until a time when I'm not feeling so overworked and overwhelmed? You're not telling people you don't like them or you don't want a relationship with them. You're just communicating your love for them at the same time that you're communicating your needs for yourself. And that's okay. The next step that I found really, really helpful kind of goes with that first one, and that is start listening to your body's physical desires. For many of us, listening to our emotional needs is really difficult. So I found starting to listen to my body's desires, like the physical appetites, a super helpful place to start. Martha Graham says the body never lies. So begin by listening to your body's cues for food, for sleep, for movement, for sex, for dance, for play. Listen to what your body needs. Your stomach is going to growl when you're hungry. Notice, oh my gosh, I'm hungry. I can't tell you how many of us people pleasers forget to eat. Or we just graze all day long because we never sit down and take the time for ourselves to eat an actual meal. So, listen to your body. Oh my gosh, I'm hungry. Then, take it a step further. What am I hungry for? What is my body craving? Is my body wanting protein? Carbs? Water? Vegetables? Chocolate? What is my body wanting? Does it need fat? Really listen to your body. What does it want from you? And then once my body's like, oh, I want protein, I'll say, okay, what are we in the mood for? We in the mood for steak? Is, it, is today a red meat day? We in the mood for chicken? Peanut butter? A protein shake? Let me know. What sounds good to you? And then I fulfill those desires. So sleep when you're tired. Listen to your body's cues for sleep and sleep when you're tired. Don't eat food you don't like. How many of us people pleasers eat food we don't like? All the time. We go out with friends to the restaurant we don't really like. We eat the food our husband likes or that our kids like. We do all these things because they make other people happy. Listen to yourself. What do you want to eat? Eat the food you want to eat. Don't have sex if you're not in the mood. The more you practice listening to your simple wants, the more your complex desires are going to come to the forefront. The next thing I want to say is others can't read your mind, okay? So often we try to intuit other people's needs expecting them to read our minds. And then we get frustrated when no one reads our minds. I don't care how much you love and care about someone. They're never, ever, ever going to be able to read your mind. And honestly, you're not reading other people's minds as well as you think you are either. Communicate clearly what you need and want. And watch a lot of that miscommunication and resentment disappear. People want to love and serve you. Sometimes they just don't know how. Just because it feels awkward to state your needs and take up space doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means it's new. So when you're communicating your needs to people, you're going to feel weird. It's going to feel awkward taking up space. It's going to be weird asking for things for yourself doesn't mean it's wrong or bad. It just means it's new. Give yourself permission to ask for what you need. And remember that fear doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. It means you're doing something new and you're growing as a result. The last thing I want to talk about is boundaries, because this is a big one for people pleasers. I know that as you've tried to set boundaries in the past, you've felt mean or guilty or overwhelmed afterwards and you felt like a bad daughter or a bad spouse or a bad friend if you grew up in an environment where you were punished or neglected when you expressed your true feelings you may feel like a bad person you're not of course but your nervous system needs to learn that lesson over time 
acknowledge that by setting a boundary, you've just done some serious emotional work. Every time you set a boundary, recognize yourself for it. That is hard emotional work when you've been told that your needs don't matter or when you've been shown that your needs don't matter. Give yourself permission to rest and recuperate after setting boundaries. And just one more note about boundary setting for people pleasers. If you struggle to set boundaries, you might have a tendency to like cut people out whenever resentment arises. Again, because conflict is hard and boundaries are hard. So when you get to that place in your friendship where you've got some conflict to discuss and things have gotten kind of hard, um, you might like slowly fade away. (laughs) You might slowly like slip out of their life instead of having conflict conversations. So if you notice yourself losing friends after time or just having a bunch of friends or relationships fade away, it might be because you have a tendency to cut folks out because you don't know how to communicate how you feel. So as we start breaking these people-pleasing habits, we become empowered to have the difficult conversations that allow us to retain long-term relationships, and it's amazing. It enables us to strengthen and nurture our relationships even when we disagree, even when we get hurt. Boundaries are an invitation to connect. Just remember this. Having boundaries and being able to have conflict conversations is an invitation to connect and build trust. So I want you to think of the many ways that boundaries will benefit you and the person you're connecting with instead of how they threaten your relationship. And for many of us, we were told that if we loved people, we wouldn't have boundaries. But boundaries are an ingredient of trust. Like I said earlier, when I can trust my friends to have boundaries with me, I feel more safe to show up and ask for help. Their boundaries strengthen my trust in them, strengthen my ability to show up and ask for help when I need it because I know I'm never going to overwhelm them because they will keep themselves safe. You can do that for your friendships as well. Okay, this is so much information, and I'm really feeling like I want to wrap up at this point. There's still so much more we could talk about. I'm sure we'll be doing another episode at some point. I hope this information was fantastic for you and eye-opening for you. I hope you were able to understand better how you created these patterns, what it feels like now, and how you can tell that those patterns aren't serving you anymore. I hope we were able to resolve the myth that if we quit being people pleasers, that somehow we're going to become these mean, awful people that don't create meaningful service in the world when actually it's the opposite. When we serve others expecting something in return, sometimes we can end up smothering people or crossing their boundaries, right? And making them not feel great. And it just feels so much better when we know that the person who's serving us wants to be there that it lights them up, that it's exciting for them too. And that only comes when we know ourselves, when we know what we like, what feels good to us, what we actually want to do, and we show up in those ways. And I hope the actionable steps of learning to pause, listening to your body, communicating clearly to others because they can't read our minds, and setting boundaries really helps you to begin to heal and begin to move forward and create new patterns. Remember, it's always first about awareness, listening to our feelings, figuring out what they're saying to us so that we can bring those subconscious thoughts into the conscious, acceptance that this is what we're experiencing, and then action. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for your valuable time that you spent with me. I hope this was helpful. I look forward to hearing your feedback and any thoughts or questions or concerns or experiences that you want to share. My very favorite part of this podcast, of my work as a coach, is getting to connect with other people. 
It makes my day when you connect with me on Instagram and when you connect with me on Reddit and on TikTok and on Facebook. Don't forget, we have a private Facebook group where we talk more about these topics more in depth. Plus, we get community and sometimes there's free workshops. There is actually a free workshop for creatives who worry about what other people think. So people pleasers, basically. If you're a creative that is wanting to bring something into the world, whether it's a new business, whether it's art, whether it's writing, whether it's an idea that you have, and one of the big things that keeps you from producing that is you're worried about what other people will think, you're going to want to get yourself over to the Facebook group because there is a free workshop coming to specifically help creatives have the freedom they need to create what they are meant to create in the world. So let's all work together to overcome our patterns of people-pleasing and do our brave work in the world and change it one person at a time. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.